We're in the business of what we call furthering the legacies of the most beautiful, significant, celebrated cars in history. And how do we further that legacy? We do it through an exhaustive process of restoration, re-engineering, and most importantly, electrification. It's a super simple idea. Take old thing out, put new thing in. There you have an electric classic. It is a labor of love and it's a labor of extraordinary skill by a cast of the very talented people I get to go to work and see every day, you know? This is an opportunity. I don't think we should see it as enthusiasts and lovers of these things and lovers of racing and beautiful cars. We shouldn't see it as anything other than an enormously exciting time. The Chubb Interviews with Jody Kidd. Brought to you by Chubb Insurance. Expert insurers of your most valued possessions. Established since 1882. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Chubb Interviews. I'm Jody Kidd. I must say, it seems like ages since our last podcast, which we recorded at the Concourse of Elegance at Hampton Court. It really was so much fun catching up with some old friends and seeing some of the world's most beautiful cars. My guest today was also at the Concours. He's from a company leading the way in preserving classic cars for the future. Lunas Design offers electric conversions for any model or make of classic car. With net zero, the zeitgeist topic of this generation, Lunas provides a genuine solution to the question of how future generations will be able to enjoy classic cars. So I am delighted to welcome James Warren, who is commercial director of Lunas Design. James, thank you so much for joining me on the Chubb interviews. Delighted to be on and thank you so much. So, James, so I know a fair bit about Lunas Design, but just in case the word hasn't quite reached our listeners out there, could you tell us a little bit about what you do? Quite simply, we're in the business of what we call furthering the legacies of the most beautiful, significant, celebrated cars in history. They're all British at the moment, although there's all sorts of things in the plan. And how do we further that legacy? We do it through an exhaustive process of restoration re-engineering and most importantly electrification so these cars can be enjoyed they can be driven for many generations to come with all of those important considerations towards our move towards much cleaner air powertrains Mm, no it's amazing and certainly the way forward so you don't just turn up with an old car you can actually completely restore them as well as putting electric engines in them do you know really early on and i'll tell you why we had a beautiful what looked like a beautiful Rolls Royce cloud turn up when we were in our sort of prototype stages and we were figuring out which marks to sort of start with. And as we begun to, as I think everyone who's probably gone through a restoration, as you begin that automotive work of archaeology that goes on, we found some absolute shockers underneath, underneath the paint, underneath many years of filler. I think it was held together with a road sign at one point. And do you know what? We took a decision really early on and we said, every single one of these cars, they are the most significant, beautiful cars in the world. And do you know what? If we're going to preserve them for future generations, let's give them the restoration they deserve. So we've got the most extraordinarily talented team of craftspeople, of real coach working experts here at Lunas and Silverstone, who take the car through a bare metal restoration, you know, prepares it for that process of re-engineering and electrification. So what our clients are getting is it's a kind of Eagle Singer level project or product, but of course, that electrified element. 
sometimes it can be a little bit like a can of worms, can't you? When you get a car, if you don't know the exact history, when you take the engine out, it's like, oh dear, what have I done? There's many moments. Yeah, <laughs> there the are many, many moments. Absolutely. But I really want to talk about the vehicles that you've picked. I mean, they are absolutely iconic. You've got the XK120, you've got the Range Rover, Bentley. Why those? How did you pick those? We started with the Jaguar XK120, and it was very much our founder, David Lorenz, who, uh, you know, his inspiration for starting the business was the birth of his daughter and a very special moment, or not so special at the time, uh, where he took her out in a beautiful 190SL, and of course, the inevitable happened. It broke down. It broke down. Oh, no. And at that point, you know, he's looking at little Luna uh, sat next to him and going, you're not going to want to drive one of these on your wedding day. And that's an absolute tragedy. And I want to be able to pass these cars on. So really, the company's been built around that philosophy to further legacy and do something for the next generation. And the Jaguar XK120, quite simply, had always been his favorite car. Controversially, it's an interesting debate. He always felt it was the most beautiful Jaguar. And also, we wanted to build what we would say is the kind of ultimate driver's classic. It's the best. It, it is the best. It's such a lovely package. Yeah, I've done two millimillias in them. So you couldn't be talking to a bigger fan than the 120. I'm obscenely envious. There's something just right about seeing that shape in Italian town. Yes, exactly. It's just magic. Yeah. But our, our view was we wanted to create a real driver's car. We're very blessed with the engineering talent that we have, and in particular led by John Hilton, a double Formula One World Championship winning technical director, a world expert in packaging, in powertrain design, in making something, quite frankly, dynamic and fast and fun. And we felt the XK120 was a great platform to start that with. That really captured the imagination, and, and we sort of thought, well, look, we're a British company. We're enormously proud of our British marks, so why don't the first sort of few marks that we go into production with, why don't they come from the British stable? And, of course, next step was Rolls-Royce and the beautiful Phantom, very much aimed at the hospitality market because, of course, these magnificent hotels all over the world, they want something beautiful to pick their guests up in. But it's becoming so difficult to drive an ICE car, whether it's in London, in Paris, in Tokyo, in New York. So actually, us being able to provide a, an eight-seat limousine Phantom 5 from 1961 that looks classic and has that beautiful sort of sense of occasion, but we've got all the mod cons in it. So, you know, that, that hospitality market's happy. And then, of course, you've got to build a Bentley because everyone <laughs> asked us to. Because you have to. Because <laughs> you have to. And, and there's just something so special about those continental characteristics, those grand touring characteristics are just amplified so beautifully by electrification, by building a car that's so much more usable and much more approachable that it just was impossible for us not to go down the line of those stunning S1, S2, S3s. And, and I'm pleased to say we've got some of the most beautiful coach-built examples of these cars. We're not just doing factory steel bodies. We've got James Young cars in, really rare and interesting two-door cars. So it's a real treasure trove here. And then, of course, the Range Rovers, because you've got to have something for when you want to get out in the countryside and want to get your, your feet muddy a little bit. And for whatever reason, I think they're having a moment right now. That classic shape of Range Rover just fits. I don't know why these things happen, but honestly, we can't build them quick enough. And then, of course, the announcement the other day, which was the Aston Martin DB6s. There's just no prettier. It was one of these things we thought really long and hard about the next mark to do. And, and we were looking outside of Britain, I must say, and we were sort of going to draw a line under the, I suppose, the British series of launches. And do you know what? We, we said, we've got to finish it off with Aston Martin. I agree. Can't leave that one out. We couldn't. It would have been very rude. 
and you know we had so many people knocking on our door and saying look when are you going to do something in the db line and do you know what i love about the db6 it's so usable it's got that little bit more rear room in it we've got lots of clients who who are they're doing this so that they can take their families around that they can go and do big continental road trips with the confidence knowing that the thing's not going to break down they're not going to have side of the road moments so we went with the db6 for that practicality and i think we only announced it three weeks ago and um we're in inundated. So it's, look, Jenny, it's amazing times here at Luna's at the moment. It's a bit of an Aladdin's cave. We've got 40, 50 cars in build right now. We've got a order bank over the next couple of years. So it, it's all very positive. Oh, sounds absolutely brilliant. And I was just going back to the Aston Martin is, you know, the DB6 is just one of the most prettiest things you can ever see, but also the most unreliable. So you've got the most beautiful car that you want to see on the road. To actually see them getting out there is really, really exciting. And it's kind of one of those cars that when you see driving along the road, you just go, oh, God, it just makes you smile from the heart. So that's very, very exciting news. But what's your background and how did you find yourself kind of dealing in electrified vehicles? Uh, so it was my privilege for 10 years to work at Rolls-Royce Motorcars, very near you and your fantastic pub in Curdford. Um, yes, I've got to get that plug in there. <laughs> it's a, it's a, the half moon, by the way. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. a fine place. Pay you later. I'll pay you later. <laughs> it was my privilege to work at, at Goodwood for 10 years at Rolls-Royce Motorcars. And yeah, what I've got to say was was such a hugely exciting time for, for Rolls-Royce. You know, they were coming out with Ghost. We had the beautiful two-door Phantoms, you know, that, that had not long been out. And then into Wraith and Dawn. And it sort of got to that moment. It's uh, a big birthday was loose. And, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go out on my own a little bit and do something different. Was that your 21st? It was my 21st, which was <laughs> only was very long ago. <laughs> luckily, luckily, this is not a video podcast. Um, but yeah, it was it was one of those moments, and I, I you know I just wanted to sort of try my hand at, at building something really. And I hooked up with David Lorenz, and you know at the time the company was in its prototype phase. It was John and David and a team of really talented engineers and. Do you know what? I love the concept from the very beginning. I, I love this idea of having a classic car that I don't, I don't have to worry about, you know, that you can turn the key, go for a drive, that you know generationally it's going to be able to be passed down. All of that anxiety is gone. And then actually, it was the wider applications that really excited me as well. J John's powertrain genius has basically developed a modular approach to electrification, which is why you'll see Luna's talk you know, these days, and, and I know this audience will be particularly interested in the classics, but these days we're talking as much about the industrial applications, our refuse trucks, that kind of thing, as much as we are the classic cars. And, you know, you can just see the potential for that. I think we've all got a responsibility to consume a lot less. COP26, hugely on our minds, of course. And it really is, I think, upcycling and recycling at its most civilized, whether that's a, an industrial vehicle, 5,000 bin lorries being done for a, a, a large government or us lovingly restoring Doing a, a DB6. Yeah, yeah, a DB6. And it, it just made so much sense. So look, it's been an absolute joy for me to transition into it. I'm now a total EV convert, although I still have the beating heart of a petrol car or an ICE car, but you know, these things are just extraordinary. It's a toughie, isn't it? Because I'm totally on the fence. Of course, I've got a son. I want him to enjoy the planet and, and his children. And we've got to change. We've got to do things. But there is something that there is a little bit of a purist in me that, you know, when you start an engine, just smelling the gasoline and all of these terrible things. So it's, it's kind of like where you're going, we have to go. 
but there is something very difficult to replace. Yeah, that's it. And look, I have a Jaguar XJS that just all it does is smell of petrol. So it's it's uh, generally leaking. But at least we're going in the right direction. What really kind of fascinates me is the actual conversion. I mean, how difficult is that kind of whole process? The answer is it's a very simple idea that is then delivered with enormous expertise. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sat at Luna's now. We've gathered a team of around 100 engineers drawn from Rolls-Royce, McLaren, Bentley. Obviously, the world of F1 being at Silverstone, given John's background. I think between us, we've got 20 Le Mans wins in our senior engineering team. We've got lots of big pioneering efforts around new powertrains as well. So Jason Hill, our engineering director, he did the first hydrogen lap of the Nürburgring in Aston Martin. He, he engineered that. Amazing. You know, unbelievable. Won Le Mans 13 times himself. And it's really in the hands of the engineers. We go into production with these vehicles. I think that's what's really exciting. You know, we bring the vehicle in. We weigh it down to the gram. We scan it so it's all put into hugely advanced CAD and 3D modeling. You're applying that sort of F1 philosophy where, of course, they're used to, if you move a gram from one side of the vehicle to the other, you know, the driver's going to have a whinge about it. He's going to know. So we apply that same approach to the electrification, the re-engineering and the conversion of the cars. And what that means is the client's getting a beautiful performance product, but they're also getting something that's been uprated in every sense. When I talk about a kind of singer level service, we do exactly that. We uprate the brakes, we uprate the suspension, we sort the steering out. We allow the client to work with us to calibrate exactly how they want the lift off on the accelerator, how they want the regen braking to work for them. The interiors are done beautifully. Our design director was taken from Aston Martin Q branch. And I mean, she's just a genius in channeling the vision of a customer, whether they want to do something that's very original to the car or they want to do something that's completely out there in delivering something that's very harmonious. So it's, it's a super simple idea. Take old thing out, put new thing in. There you have an electric classic. It is a labour of love and it's a labour of extraordinary skill by a cast of the very talented people I get to go to work and see every day, you know. Yeah, and I suppose that, you know, on the tech side is also must be so exciting because, you know, this is we're being forced to go in this direction. So all of our energies are being putting in this area that the whole time the tech, you must be just kind of like the batteries getting lighter. It must be quite an interesting time to be in that sector. It's amazing. And, and look, it's really gratifying when you see what's going on at the COP26. You know, you're seeing such leadership. You know, I watched Barack Obama's speech and, and he made this point. He said, look, it's down to, yes, policymakers, but it's also down to enterprise, to business, and the markets, in essence, to go and innovate these solutions and to go and create the, the sort of technologies that are going to build the foundation for this push to net zero. So it's hugely exciting. I love the car industry. I'm a student of it. I've spent my career in it. I think we're at the most exciting time there's been since, you know, Henry Ford built a production line, you know, hundred and whatever years ago. This is an opportunity. I, I don't think we should see it as enthusiasts and lovers of these things and lovers of racing and beautiful cars. We shouldn't see it as anything other than an enormously exciting time. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. Um, okay, really, really difficult question. Do you have a favourite conversion? <laughs> Do you know, it's so hard. It's. So I know. Hard. I knew it always gets whenever I've got. I have anyone on that's got a lovely collection or something. They're like, Jodes. This is like trying to get me to choose between my children. Don't um, do it. Yeah. <laughs> just don't do it. Don't do it. Is there one though? I could give you the really sort of political answer and say, look, it's, it's whatever I'm driving at the time. What I love is, look, it's jackets for different occasions, right? You know, we've all got favorite things in our wardrobes for different moments. There is nothing more fun than driving an electric classic Range Rover. 
the torque is unbelievable. The off-road capability is unbelievable. I love the look of them, the aesthetic. I love how informal they are. I'm kind of a countryside person, so it works for me. But then driving a, a 1961 Rolls-Royce Phantom 5 up to Pall Mall or whatever it might be has its appeals, of course. And you know, and then going continental cruising in something like a DB6 or a, a, a Bentley. So I'm going to give you a rubbish answer. Yeah, they're all my children. They're all, all my favourites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. To useless. Say, I love, useless. I, I, it's hopeless answer. I love them all. I love them all. And I mean, another quick question, I suppose, with anyone that's gone into the EV world, and there's so many now, everyone's really, really heading in this direction. What do you think about the infrastructure? Is there a point now where companies are going to have to start putting much more pressure on getting a more easier, should we say, kind of infrastructure set up, as in charging on the road, etc.? Fantastic question. And we hosted here yesterday. The regional authorities are a COP26 regional conference. And of course, it was a massive topic of discussion. You know what I love? In my daily life, I've now, I'm now driving a Tesla. And, you know, I was nervous. It took a couple of glasses of wine to actually hit the order button the <laughs> night that I did it. Do you know what, Jody? We worked things out. You know, we, we yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of things around it. Number one, when do you ever drive 300 miles in a day or 250 miles in a day? You actually break it down. It's probably, it's a few times a year. In which case, you make a little plan. It's nice to have a break. Fast charging is unbelievable. It's growing every day. I've got really used to getting out of this cycle of charging every day and you know, just having the confidence with it to the point, I think I'm probably six months in. I took a long journey and I didn't look at the mileometer. I didn't look at the range. I knew I'd made my plan. That was it. And it was just, it was a little moment of like, all right, we've broken the habit. We're, we're out of that now. And, you know, so, so on that side of it, definitely. And then look, look on a much kind of greater scale, markets are going to do the job for us. I mean, we, we all know we're pushing towards these clean air power trends. I think that grim pandemic that we've all gone through, you know, there were upsides when we walked around London and we could see the sky and it was, yes, you could breathe, you could taste the air. It was unbelievable. You know, we all know the benefits and we all know that this is coming. And, and look, markets will do the job. There's some amazing companies out there coming up with great solutions, contactless charging. I met a lady yesterday and she showed us what they're piloting in Buckinghamshire. It's super smart. So for people who haven't got driveways, so on street parking, there's a little groove in the pavement. So the wire sits from their house, sits in there really comfortably. I said, the hundreds of millions that are being raised and invested in this, someone comes up with a little trench in the road and it works perfectly keeps people safe, stops them tripping up. So look, it's like anything in life, it's going to be a blended approach. And let's face it, getting incredibly highly explosive liquid into fuel tanks around the world is a complicated business, but market forces allowed that to happen. And I'm optimistic that, that we as humans will figure it out. And it's, uh, it's exciting. We should, we should embrace the change. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, we've just watched over the last couple of weeks as it been with COP26 and it is a really, really exciting thing because people are actually really taking notice now. You know, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, I might look at a hybrid, but now they're going, no, 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 we need to change. We need to go fully electric. Get up to 33% discount on Chubb Multicar Insurance. Go to chubb.com forward slash the interviews for more information. Very, very, very exciting times for you guys. And so I suppose what is next for Lunas? Uh, what's next? Well, lots and lots of exciting, exciting news on the car front. 
we're expanding quite significantly. So we're, we're at 100 jobs now. That will double over the next few months or so as global demand has gone crazy. I think people have been really inspired by what we're doing on the Luna's design side of the business, the, the classic car side of the business. And then it's really full steam ahead expansion into Luna's applied technologies, which, as I say, is taking that proven powertrain and that proven remanufacturing approach and applying it to industrial vehicles. So applying it to as I say, refuse trucks, off-highway airport vehicles, all of these amazing applications, which, you know, that can make a real societal difference. That makes a huge difference in terms of clean air. But also, I mean, if you're, if you're a local government and you've got 80 bin lorries, you're being asked to transition those to EV because of central government net zero targets. The cost burden is enormous. I mean, they're twice, three times the price of the diesel trucks. Whereas we can deliver something that's brought up to new standard without throwing away the original donor, saving thousands of tons of embedded carbon, and we could deliver it for the same price as a diesel. So it's one of those beautiful win-wins. So we'll be popping up factories for that all over the world. We're very keen to build vehicles in proximity to the markets that we operate to cut down on those global logistics emissions and all the rest of it. So it's it's full steam ahead. It's very exciting. But the classics, um, particularly for your audience, will always be the heart and soul and, and certainly the passion inside the company. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's a very, very exciting time and just well done, uh, your whole team. And yeah, I can't wait to see what comes up in the future for you guys. Right, I suppose we're kind of running out of time, but there is one little thing I'd like to ask. So during this series, we've been running a special theme and it's called One Piece at a Time. It's where we ask our guests to select one prized automotive possession that means a lot to them. So, James, can you tell us what your one piece will be? This is like Desert Island Disc. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> my, 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 mine is a pink Bakelite telephone, which you might think, what on earth is he talking about? When we bought the original James Young donor phantom for our demonstration phantom, and now, now in customer hands, the car arrived in a pretty sorry state, you know, as, as these things are. But we found in the rear a pink Bakelite telephone, which in 1961, the original owner had had installed into the car so they can carry on with their business. And I just think that is the coolest thing in the world. And I would I would pink love to have well. met. It's, it's a really <laughs> lovely blush. And do you know what we did? In designing the car, and Jen wanted just to take a little bit of inspiration from that. So we've got some marble that sits in the in the bar in the rear of the car, and it's got a beautiful pink vein running through it. And just little blush touches in the inner grab handles and that kind of thing. And, you know, to me, that sums up storytelling in motor cars. And I think, you know, we're very proud to write new chapters in, in the history of these cars. And I think that pink Bakelite phone sums it up beautifully. We're actually going to get it converted to a sat phone for a customer, which I think would be very cool. So I'm going to have to get a replica made to sit on my desk. It's my favorite thing I've ever found in a car. Please take a picture of it, send it to us, and then we'll put it out on all our social channels because I bet you everyone is as excited as I am to actually see <laughs> what this actually looks like. Amazing. No, I'll be delighted. Fantastic. Listen, James, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for chatting to us and opening our eyes to the future and just still treasuring these beautiful cars, you know, that were made in the early years and pushing them into the future. Fantastic and well done, everyone at Lunaz. An exciting time for you guys. So thank you so much for joining us. Cheers, Jenny. Take care. And to listeners of this podcast, we would love it if you could share your own one piece at a time. On Facebook or Instagram, just search for Chubb, that's C-H-U-B-B, -B, collect a car. Or for email, 
classic cars at chubb.com or browse chubb.com forward slash the interviews. So thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of the Chubb interview series brought to you by Chubb, who share our passion for classic cars. There'll be another episode very soon. To receive every episode as it's released, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please review and spread the word. And don't forget to email us your stories about your most loved classics. I'm Jodie Kidd. Until next time, bye. The Chubb Interviews with Jodie Kidd. Brought to you by Chubb Insurance. Expert insurers of your most valued possessions. Established since 1882.